Welcome to the inaugural season of For the Win, a USC Annenberg Media podcast on sports and storylines. I'm your producer, Eddie Sun, and now here are your hosts. How are we doing? Welcome back to another edition of For the Win. I am Dylan Schloss, joined alongside my trusty colleagues of Skylar Treffel and Jordan McGee. Guys, how are we doing on another amazing week of sports? What's going on? It's a big one. Lots going on. We got the World Series. Uh, Lakers are still champs, but the NBA uh, coaching circle is in full swing. And uh, how about Baker Mayfield in the NFL here? Yeah, you know what, Skylar? That's a great question. Uh, We are going to be diving deep into it. Should the Browns bench Baker Mayfield? I mean, he's been having um, quite... A very interesting season, um, and obviously, given the circumstances, we can say this season nonetheless has been out of the ordinary. And uh, we've seen a lot of different quarterback moves throughout the league. Recently announced, Tua um, will be sat for the Miami Dolphins, and uh, Ryan. I mean, Tua will be entering uh, as the starting position for the Miami Dolphins, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. But I want to first ask you guys about the Browns before we dive into that, uh, whether they should bench Baker or not. I mean, I think it's time. Um, we saw a second blowout in, against the AFC North opponent in the Steelers. Week one, we saw a blowout against the Ravens. Uh, the Browns are a much better football team to be losing 30-plus points to uh, their rivals. I mean, if you look across the board, you know, they're stacked at receiver. They have a really good pass rush with Miles Garrett, great run defense. Um, the only thing that's really holding them back right now is Baker Mayfield. And if we look at who else they have on the depth chart, they have a guy named Case Keenum, who under the current head coach for the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, had his best season in a couple years ago uh, when the Vikings went 11-3 and with Stefanski and Case Keenum. So, you know, Baker Mayfield, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to play him and to give him a lot of chances considering he was that first overall pick. But, you know, at at some point, the graces have to be excused and he's got to be held accountable for the fact that he's holding this Browns team back from potentially being a playoff team. You know, it's really interesting. Is Baker holding the Browns back or the Browns who we thought they were, who they've always been? Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's proven he can be good, but what he's proving more at this point is that he's another inconsistent Browns quarterback. Look, I'm never going to forget when Baker won the Browns, their first game in over a season full of games, and I knew in that moment, I said to my friends, Baker is going to be Cleveland's hero. Everyone's going to be riding this guy because... Cleveland wants their success, and unfortunately, he's been the classic Browns quarterback since then of inconsistency. Uh, For the Browns, he makes sense, and I think if they want to, they can keep starting him, but if they want to compete for a Super Bowl, he's looking like he might not be that guy. I would still give him a bit more time before benching him. I think he had a terrible game, blowout, multiple interceptions again. But he's also proven that he can win games, he can do well, and he's young. 
So I would give him a few more games, but if it keeps up the way it did this weekend, uh, you might have to go to Case Keenum, who somehow made the NFC Conference Championship a couple of years back. I agree with you guys. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, right, he just needs to squeeze out just a little bit of left energy that he's got within these next couple of games. Because looking down the line at his schedule, right, he's going to be playing the Giants, the Jets, the Titans, the Jaguars. I mean, listen, it's not the end of the world if this guy he's, it just gets through these next couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, sure, he's going to be facing the Bengals, which is going to be actually a great, really fun matchup, um, the battle of... Uh, of Ohio and and I'm excited to see this game but I mean at the end of the day if he can't if he can't figure it out then um I, I don't know maybe Sam Darnold might be back on the market you know uh after the after this season uh, with my horrible Jets uh tanking as horribly as they are for uh um a, a potential uh replacement Sam Darnold may be uh the best option uh to head to Cincinnati I think one thing that we need to look at though is yeah, I think Baker is capable of winning the next couple days uh, games for the Browns. You know they have a couple weaker opponents coming up, but they don't need they need more than just a game manager, which Baker has been for the Browns for the most part of this season. You know he's asked to kind of just be a game manager. He's not asked to do to do that much. You know I think a lot of the problems that he has out on the field are him trying to do too much and are self inflicted in a sense. So I think considering Case Keenum also would be playing that role of a game manager and he's proven that with, you know, weapons like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, um, he's capable of leading teams to victories without turning the ball over, that he's probably the safer option considering that the two teams that the Browns are chasing are in their own division and they got blown out by both of them. Baker could be more, I think Baker can be more than a game manager. Uh, I think he can make those throws. But again, I, I don't, he's looking like he's not going to be that Super Bowl quarterback. He might be able to have some exciting plays, some exciting touchdowns, some big games, get some uh, seats sold once fans are back in the stadiums, crazy times. But I just think that, He's a decent quarterback for the Browns, but he reminds me a little bit of Ryan Tannehill on the Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill was never going to lead that team to a Super Bowl, and they had to accept it. And at some point, if Baker wants to have a decent career in the NFL, he might need that new start because it's looking like with the Browns, they might just be the good old middling Browns with Baker around. But I think there is potential there, both for the Browns in the long term and Baker. I'm just not sure it's going to be together. All right, guys, before we move on from the NFL, I have to ask you really quickly to what I brought up earlier. Just give me a quick, brief answer. Boom or bust, how do we feel about Tua taking Ryan Fitzpatrick's job in Miami? Just tell me, how do we feel? Boom, baby, let's go. I love Tua. I'm fired up. I think he's great. I think I just brought up the Dolphins. Uh, They need 
a new start. They had a winning culture way back in the day with Dan Marino. You want to go back to the perfect season in 1972 before any of us were born. That has all been blown out the water. They brought Jay Cutler out of retirement at one point. How can you say to your fans you want to lose any more than bringing Jay Cutler out of retirement? I like <laughs> Tua a lot. He is a phenomenal quarterback. He is a phenomenal talent, and he's just getting started. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be some Super Bowl quarterback. Uh, he's in the he's in the back nine at least, uh, more like the last hole of his career. And great quarterback. Again, he'll sell the seats. He'll be fun. But Tua could be the future. He could make the Dolphins exciting again. I'm very high on this move, and I think it makes the Dolphins the most exciting franchise they've been in a couple of years. Jordan, hit me. Boomer bust. I'm going to go with bust right now. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love Tua, considering you know he's from Hawaii, and I always got to shout out and rep my Hawaii players. But I think it's a little soon. I mean, the Dolphins are 3-2. and two. I think you know they're pushed could be potentially pushing for a a playoff uh, position. And looking down the line, you know, they got the Rams coming up, which is a playoff team, the Cardinals, which is a playoff team, you know, the Chargers, which aren't a playoff team, but can make things exciting. I would have waited to potentially start Tua in a couple weeks when he plays your Jets. Uh, And (laughs) I I don't think there's any – yeah, I mean, any (laughs) – you want a warm welcome to the NFL play, have your first game and be against the Jets. I don't think it's necessarily right for them to throw him in right now. You know, I want to see him succeed, but um, I, thought, I thought the Dolphins had something good going. But, you know, hopefully Tua proves me wrong and, you know, I can't wait to see him. All right, guys, I'd love to hear it. We'll see these upcoming weeks um, and hopefully everyone stays super safe and healthy in the NFL so that we could have games. Uh, as scheduled. All right, guys, uh, let's backtrack a little bit to what we were talking about earlier. I know, Skylar, you're going to get super stoked about this. Let's get some NBA talk back in the conversation. The season is still well do- is well over, but Skylar, I know, is still in that championship hangover, still riding that high. Um, but let's talk about a team that uh, in the West that your Lakers have had a phase for a very long time, which is the Houston Rockets. Um, recently, that uh, it was released that uh, the GM of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, uh, would be parting ways. So I want to ask you guys, um, overall, his impact in the league um, and, and where he may land next and also uh, the impact he's had for, for the Houston Rockets. Let me make this clear. I respect Daryl Morey very much. I think he's a great GM. I think what he's done for the Rockets franchise is great. That being said... I do not agree with the whole analytics approach and movement that has happened. Look, football, you can put into numbers a little bit more uh, as far as the weak side, the strong side, lining up. Baseball analytics has been prominent and proven since 2004. Basketball is heart and hustle. Go look at Danny Green's game winner in Game 5. Why was it short? Because he didn't have that clutch mentality there. Because it, the ball rolled off his fingers as he was nervous. And you cannot measure a game-winning shot 
on the same level as every other percentage and analytic from that point on the floor at a different point in the game. Basketball is not a game of numbers and analytics. It's a game of heart, hustle, and killer mentality more than any other sport. Where's the Stafford shot difficulty? Double team, triple team, quadruple team. How does field goal percentage reflect a layup right at the net versus a game-winning shot over three defenders in your face. I don't think it's comparable. I think really it's great to listen to the media and learn, but I think this whole analytics movement is something that's really been pushed on us, and I think now is a great time to question that bring back the mid-range. It's a whole area of the floor. Don't rule out a whole area of floor just because Daryl Morey said so. Uh, Morey's gone from the Rockets even after all the success. 60 win seasons. Amazing record. And I give him so much credit for stealing James Harden from the Oklahoma City Thunder in the most lopsided trade I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, he's one of the best players. He's easily a top 50 player of all time. And so props to Maury, but I think it's really time to reflect on the movement he created. And I, I don't, I've never been a huge believer in analytics. And I think with the Lakers winning with two bigs, um, we really need to reassess that right now. You know, I would say I agree with some of your points, Skylar. Don't get me wrong. I honestly, like, my love for the NBA has kind of, steadily declined ever since analytics became a huge part of basketball you know I love the days when players would go iso on the wing and take mid-range jumpers and show off those show off their skill in taking tough contested jumpers like Kobe and T-Mac and Carmelo Anthony those guys that made the that their career but that being said I feel like analytics shouldn't necessarily be attributed to Daryl Morey in his career, but more the effect that, honestly, the Golden State Warriors had on basketball. The reason why Daryl Morey implemented this whole small ball lineup, shoot three, it's either going to be a three or a layup. It's because they had to play against the Warriors in the West. I mean, Steph and Clay changed the way that we play basketball today at all levels, really. Um, and I think definitely that, the small ball um, experiment was a little bit risky and maybe a little bit ahead of its time with Daryl Morey. Um, I give a lot of props to him for going all in. You know, the guy's a real aggressive GM, making that trade for Russell Westbrook and making that trade, um, trading Clint Capella. But uh, I think we got to attribute analytics to the Warriors. But that's that's just me because I feel like they – they really changed the way that the game's played. I think you guys bring up both excellent points, and it's going to be very interesting to see where the game of basketball goes from here. Is it going to go move forward uh, towards that analytics side or go completely backwards and, and stick to its roots, which is heart and hustle? Um, and at the end of the day, also a big thing about Daryl Moore's legacy, which we aren't even talking about, was his controversy uh, with China as well and the Hong Kong protest, um, where he, he took a stand for democracy and um, he faced a lot of backlash for that. And um, I mean, he's kind of lucky that it somewhat blew over, but he really questioned the relationship with China and the NBA and he put a lot into perspective. So uh, whether it was um, so, so his his stance there um, r- really caused quite a controversy. And, and LeBron even came forward on that issue. Um, and, and 
I mean, just going forward, I mean, his legacy will be remembered, and I'm sure he'll, he'll land a, a really important job somewhere in the NBA, hopefully bringing whatever team he does go to a title. Um, but guys, uh, I want to ask you about another championship that's going on. I feel like this is a, a jam-packed month right now of, of championships. Uh, let's talk about the World Series. The MLB World Series is well underway, and we've got one of our very own Los Angeles teams in there. The LA Dodgers are taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Currently, as we speak, as we are recording, it is the bottom of the eighth right now in Game 2 of the World Series. Tampa Bay is up 6-4. to four. I just want to ask you guys, how do you feel about the series so far? What are some early predictions? Um, and also, uh, how, what are your overall thoughts on this season, uh, given that MLB, I feel like, took the brunt of this all with, without being able to have fans in, in the stadium at all for their season, and now they're finally getting some fans in there. And um, from a business perspective, I'm saying they, they took the biggest hit. But um, what do you guys think? It's amazing that the MLB is still here, still going, and we've made it to the World Series with all the hiccups that they had at the start of the season. And let me tell you right now, Los Angeles is getting two championships in two weeks. The Lakers won. They were fired up because they're not playing with fans. They had the break, and the Dodgers are fired up too. If you watched the Game 7 that led them here, and you saw Mookie Betts jump up into outer space and make that catch near the top of the fifth to get them over the hump and complete a 3-1 comeback. I don't see them losing after that 3-1 comeback. Uh, This team has a lot of heart, and Mookie Betts once again looked phenomenal. The Dodgers are hitting homers, and I really believe that LA has had an unbelievably tough year being the epicenter of a lot of what's gone on, starting with the death of Kobe Bryant. And we know lots of these Dodger players have been photographed in Kobe jerseys and LA needs this one. I really see the Dodgers. It's not going to be a clean sweep, but I really see the Dodgers bringing this one home and getting LA their second championship in two weeks as LA comes back from one of the roughest years it's ever had with sports being right at the forefront. Yeah, I completely agree with Skyler. Um, this whole situation with two LA teams um, potentially being crowned champions in the same season kind of takes me back to 2008 when the Red Sox won and the Boston Celtics won. So I'm really high on the Dodgers. I'm a Dodgers fan. I've grown up one my whole life. Um, Like Skyler said, they came back from 3-1 against the Atlanta Braves, and they've been firing on all cylinders. And I think that's momentum that they're going to carry and continue to carry in this series. You know, this roster is loaded from top to bottom, whether it be the bullpen or those home run hitting machines that they got there. Um... I just got to say that I'm thinking that the Dodgers take this in five games. Um, Like Skyler alluded to earlier, Mookie Betts, he's a top five player in the MLB in the world. I don't think that's really up for debate. Um, And we actually saw that Kershaw kind of broke the Kershaw curse last night, um, playing well in in the premier game in the World Series. Um, I find it interesting that this Rays team's even here. I mean, they're kind of a group of not necessarily outcasts, but not big big name players. I saw um, a really cool stat that showed that Kershaw and Mookie Betts contract equal is uh, is actually greater this season. Can than I the give entire... you the number here, Jordan? I'm yeah, gonna yeah, give yeah, you the no, number jump here. in, Ready? jump in. 
$28.3 million for the cost of the entire Tampa Bay Rays prorated payroll this season. Yeah. $32.3 million is the cost of the prorated salaries of just Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and Kenley, Kenley Jansen. I mean, Put that yeah. into perspective here. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's put that into perspective there. Tampa Bay Rays are playing small ball. They're playing money ball, baby. Just like baseball is the... And I love it. I absolutely love it. I agree. The, but I, I knew from the beginning that these guys were an underdog, a Cinderella story from the start, and they should not have been counted out at all. Once I saw how Blake Snell was doing during spring training and finally coming back in, I knew they were hungry. And um, I, I knew that they shouldn't be counted out of the conversation. I mean, yeah, everyone had all their money on the, on the New York Yankees. But come on now. The Tampa Bay Rays, they were an underdog that you want to say, oh, I'm surprised they made it. But you're also at the same time going, yeah, I could see it. I could see him doing it. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, listen, the Dodgers, they had their backs against the wall in their last series. I'm surprised they even made it as well. Um, to your point, Jordan, I'm taking the Dodgers in this one, guys. I absolutely love them all around. W- what do we got? Dodgers across the board? Yeah, Dodgers in five for me. Dodgers across the board. Dodgers in, I'll say Dodgers in six. I would say the Rays are the analytics, Maury, Moneyball style, and I say the Dodgers are the heart and hustle, and heart and hustle, just like the Lakers two weeks ago. That's what's bringing it home this year. Guys, I absolutely love it. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us um, for another great episode, and as always, do it for the win. Um, For Jordan, uh, Skyler, and myself, I'm Dylan Schloss. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to For the Win. Stay tuned for new episodes every Tuesday.